This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is the Tuesday show where we talk about some news that's happened in the world of restaurants and also a place you might like to try. To do that, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is the owner of Avondale Food and Wine, Mary Clarkson. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Eric. Very happy to be here today. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive Right into the news of the week, I I admit in advance it's a little bit it's a little bit light this week, but we can kick a couple topics around and then we'll we'll spend a little more time on our our restaurants to make up for it. So let's start with topic number one, Mandito's, the family friendly Tex Mex restaurant from the owners of Armando's and Lulu's, announced that they are opening a second Houston area location in Katy. This joins a Bel Air location that opened earlier this year. And the original Mandito's that is out in Round Top. Mary, let me just ask you. I mean, I you're a River Oaks adjacent kind of person. I mean, have you and you you like to go to the Hill Country? Have you have you been to Mandito's? I have been to Mandito's. I was actually there just last week. I kind of travel back and forth between here and the Hill Country, and I really like what they do. Armando's a very smart guy. My Houston house is a block from Armando's here. And who doesn't love Armando's, especially on a Thursday night? And Mendito's and Round Top is quiet right now, but it's about to be absolute chaos and busy here with Round Top festivities in the next couple of weeks. Their food's good. I mean, they're not reinventing anything, but their margaritas are tasty. And all of their Tex-Mex dishes are very popular. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's well said. It's not avant-garde Tex-Mex. It's not as luxurious, certainly not as luxurious as Armando's. That's a very deliberate choice on their part. It's not, you know, it's not as posh as maybe El Tiempo, which I know is is your favorite. But it's it's real classic stuff. It's like you can go there and get cheese or meat enchiladas you can get fajitas you can get a crispy taco you can get chips and queso obviously and know that it will be a good experience and you and i a few weeks ago or you know maybe a couple months ago went to los tios uh the new location that they opened up in in west u and and i think of Mandito's and los tios is kind of similar you know Absolutely. maybe maybe a little bit old school definitely family friendly uh, Super and, family friendly takes everybody's money, right? Like right, very right. smart concepts. Right. And for all of those reasons, I think this is going to be a, a big hit in Katie. Yeah. I mean, suburbs, right? High net worth population, lots of oil and gas money out there, lots of international money out there. Uh, easy to get to from a lot of different areas. Very smart concept. I mean, I would not be surprised if if this type of concept did more uh, locations if they wanted to. I mean, there's no reason that this couldn't do well in the woodlands, Sugarland, that type of thing. 
Um, we all love Tex-Mex. Come on, show me somebody that doesn't like Tex-Mex and I will not trust them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a Houstonian, you don't need Tex-Mex, you are, you are suspect. I mean, you know, it, you know, anywhere, you know, essentially anywhere there's a, a Gringos or a Papacitos, uh, there could probably be a Manditos. And, and, you know, one of the things they're doing for this Katie store is they're going to have a dedicated entrance and an area just for to go. So, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to bring the kids in or you're having a, a party at your house or whatever, you know, they're going to expedite that stuff to make it easier for people. And I, I think coming out of the pandemic and, and just, you know, to go is just such an important part of business. I think it's got to be, it's got to be on point. 100%. Yeah. If y'all haven't checked out Mandita's and Round Top, it's a good hang. There's lots of nearby concepts that are worthwhile to visit too. If you make a a day trip out of it. There's a brewery next door. Lots of cool stuff going out, going on in Round Top for sure. Well, if you go to Round Top and you don't go to Royers for pie, you've done you've done Round Top. They close early, so you could go Royers early and then Mendita's for happy hour or dinner. That's yeah. that's the move. Life is life is uncertain. Eat dessert first. That is the motto. Yes. Um, I think you know. I think this just makes a ton of sense for the Armando's folks. I think Mendita's is going to be a big hit in Katie. And, uh, I think you're right. I mean, obviously they opened one this year. Uh, they're already set to open the next one in the first quarter of, of 24, you know, as long as they're motivated and can find the staff, I, I think you're right. I think they could, they could start knocking these out all over Houston. Yes, sir. All right. Topic number two, some news from St. Arnold, not, you know, not earth shattering news by any stretch of the imagination, but, but, you know, worth noting, First is that they won Brewery of the Year at the Great American Beer Festival in Colorado a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is the first time they've won it since 2017. And I think it just, and they they won a couple of gold medals for a couple of their beers for uh, for Lawnmower and their LS IPA. This is, this is kind of the big, you know, this is the, the beer festival where all the breweries go to and they, they get their beers judged. And, you know, it's like a couple hundred different categories of all the different beer styles. And so... You know, I always like to see a Houston company representing on the national stage. Yeah, I think Houston is lucky to have the number of brewers they do. St. Arnold's is definitely one of the oldest. I think their beers are consistently good. I I like their classics like Lawnmower. And I also like, you know, I like some of their seasonal stuff that they do as well. Art Car is always a fun one for me. Uh, such a Such good memories going to the brewery over the years for all of, the, all of their different events. They're a big part of the community and uh, I'm not surprised that they're continuing to win accolades. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I was talking to Lenny Ambrose, who's their kind of head of marketing and, and media outreach and all that stuff. And, it, you know, I remember, I remember my first visit to the old St. Arnold brewery uh, kind of in the spring branch timber grove area uh, near where Carbach is now. And, and you know it was it was like big, it was a big warehouse with a bunch of of different kinds of tanks in it. You know it was a very uh, stripped down operation. And of course now they have that big beautiful facility downtown. They've got the the actual brewery building with the beer hall, and then they have that whole beer garden and restaurant with that incredible view of the downtown skyline. And I mean they're getting ready to celebrate their thirtieth anniversary. So you know this is this is such a local success story, and it's. Uh, it's good to see it's good to see that they're you know not just not just resting on their laurels right like still 
still engaged, still relevant, still executing at a high level, and still uh, earning the esteem of the beer world. Yeah, I love their outdoor space that they have. It's incredible. Right. And so the second piece of news about St. Arnold is that they have hired Chase Reed as their new executive chef. He replaces Ryan Savoie, who has been with them for 10 years. I mean, he came on, like I said, he came on when the beer hall uh, first opened in 2013. Again, I talked to Lenny about this. and He said, you know, one of the things that sort of caught their attention was that Chase worked at Hop Scholar Ale House in Spring, and he he kept doing all these really great beer dinners with St. Arnold Beer, especially Pumpkinator. And, and then he went up to the Historic Hill House, which is kind of a resort north of the city. And, and so, you know, when Ryan decided 10 years was long enough and he was ready to make a change, they brought Chase on. And, and you know, it's not that, not that the, you know, I think the food at St. Arnold is kind of better than you expect, right? The pizzas are good. The burgers are good, all that stuff. So Chase isn't like trying to reinvent the wheel. He's just looking to make sure that everything stays, you know, really consistent that, you know, the plating looks good for people's Instagrams. And he started doing uh, donuts on the first Sunday of every month, which I think is, uh, I just think that's a ton of fun. Super smart and evolution of places like this. I mean, it's normal. I wouldn't expect that the consumer would notice any changes in a bad way, probably just a good way and uh, keeping up with, you know, newer trends and things like that. So this is a right. good move. Exactly right. New, new, new blood, young blood, fresh ideas, all to the good. And of course, you know, you're always, I mean, you're going to St. Arnold, you're going to the restaurant for the food, but you're, you're really going for the, the beer and the atmosphere. And and as we get into, you know, the Astros playoffs, it's like. Watch a game. Yeah. Watch it's us a, it's win a, a national championship. We call it, the, we call that the World Series, Mary. Oh, yes. Okay. Thank you for the sports update. I'm more enthusiastic about baseball than football, so some credit must be given. Yes, some credit <laughs> some credit is given. All right, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Mary, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about Barcelona Wine Bar. This is a new wine bar and restaurant that just opened on Lower Westheimer in a building that had been sort of home to these kind of antique shops and secondhand stores uh, right near, I mean, right near everything, right near Polly's, right near Empire Cafe, right near Agora, right near Brazil. You know, from my perspective, it kind of, it was kind of flying under the radar. Like if you weren't sort of deliberately looking as you sort of drove down that stretch of Westheimer, you might not have noticed that 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 building was undergoing some sort of transformation into a restaurant. So, but it comes from, it, it started in Connecticut in 1996. They have locations all over the place, including Dallas. So start at the beginning. I mean, talk to me, you know, you're a, you're a real estate professional, you've, you've owned restaurants. So think about the, the location, the ambiance of Barcelona Wine Bar. Mary loves a historic and architectural building, right? So we'll start with that. Uh, the best thing this place did was preserve the facade of this building. It's a very old building and it's been under renovation for quite some time. It had been uh, kind of boarded up for a while prior to it being renovated. So it now being open and vibrant is really nice to see. Uh, 
I will say with that, that probably a lot of people driving down Westheimer didn't notice it open because it's done a good job of blending into the uh, framework, you know, landscape that was previously there, which I think is a tribute. The parking is on the side and the back rather than the front. Uh, but it, don't kid yourself, Montrose, <laughs> I feel like such an old person. Montrose is a changing. This is a national chain. They have executed really well. Uh, it's a it's a dynamic location, uh, beverage program and food program. It kind of hits on all fronts. And uh, I was delightfully surprised at our at our experience. Those are my first initial thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's right. And, you know, you talk about sort of coming into the market and it's, uh, you know, it's always sort of interesting when these out-of-town restaurant groups come into, come into Houston, you know, some of it is like, well, you gotta, you gotta kind of hire, uh, the right ambassadors, you know, you gotta, uh, you gotta find a couple of locals that can kind of be, uh, introduce you to the, to the city. And so, you know, I think they've done a really good job of that. You know, they have Chef uh, Tommy Lasinski, who comes from Atlas Restaurant Group. He was the executive chef for both Uzo Bay and Lock Bar for a long time. Uh, now he's at Barcelona. And then uh, the general manager, Corey Scranton, is someone that, that you know, I've known across a couple of concepts, most recently, Daily Gather. And so, you know, you walk in and and there's Corey and and you know, it's like, oh, you know, yeah, I knew you from this place and that place and I worked here and there. And it's like, okay, so you understand like what Houstonians want. And then, you know, of course, you know, we're, we're there having dinner and, and, you know, our server is just super knowledgeable at the menu uh, because she's from the Denver location and she's there to help them get it off the ground. So she's here, you know, for a month or six weeks or whatever, training the Houstonians to, to follow the Barcelona wine bar standard. And I, I just, I, I was very impressed by that. I think, I think that just makes a ton of sense. I think you have to have a combo of both, right? You've got to have the local touch because if you don't have the local touch, you're going to turn off a lot of your locals, right? It's going to feel like a chain. Montrose is pretty insular, but with the opening of Montrose collective, you see all of these national chains, in that building, uh, you also see a wine concept very nearby there that I spoke about that I was like, this is this reminds me so much of this. Uh, so I think, you know, hiring local along with bringing in your trainers from other cities helps make the service be what it needs to be from the from the get go right out of the gate. And there were no service hiccups. So a lot of times you and I go to places and a lot of things hit or whatever, but you're like, man, the staff is really green. And I didn't feel any of that. So kudos to them. There was a packed house. I mean, they have a bar, they have high tops surrounding the bar. They have a side room. They have a main dining room. It feels like it serves multiple purposes that if you want it to be a restaurant, it can be a restaurant. If you want it to be a bar, it can be a bar. If you want it to be a late night spot, it can also be that because you said that they're open what till midnight or one one a.m. Uh, yes, you're correct. They're open till midnight Monday through Thursday and one a.m. on Friday and Saturday. So they they are they're trying to capture some of that late night crowd, but but they open at four p.m. every day. So they're also trying to be a happy hour spot. So yes, I I think you're right. I think that's all very well said. It is it is designed to be flexible, and again, it's like they have they have this menu with the uh, 
a couple dozen different tapas plates that are small and easy to share. They've got some paella. They've got a couple of heartier entrees. They've got a couple of desserts. But, but you know, if you if it's happy hour, a couple of tapas and a, and a glass of wine, and you'll be in in good shape. If it's dinner, you know, maybe you split five or six of those tapas plates for two people, and think about a paella or one of the other entrees. Uh, maybe you stay for dessert. And if it's late night and you're just you know looking to kind of wrap up the night, again, you kind of go back into more of that happy hour mode where you find, you know, the you know something something greasy, something, something fried to kind of take the edge off the night and, uh, and, and set yourself right for the morning. And for me, I, I like what's attractive about it, serving all these different uh, points of service from times of day is that the price points are right. You know, you can, you can touch these tapas for five bucks plus or minus going up and their wine service was incredible too, for the price points. Wines start around eight bucks go up from there but you can certainly have a great glass of wine six ounces for 10 to 12 bucks you feel like you're getting a really good value and i think that's important so many of the restaurants we go to feel like an amazing experience but maybe something that's not quite as accessible to a lot of people that listen to the show right so talk about maybe some of your favorite dishes of what we tried what, what did you like Ooh, so many good dishes i'm gonna steal your thunder on the my favorite dish, which I also know, which was one of your favorites. Uh, they did a pork dish that was served, I would say, rare to medium rare, um, thinly sliced, really delicate, just like lightly, lightly cooked. And I, I believe it had shallots on top. That for me was so tasty, very savory. Um, that was one of the more unusual tapas. Then you had your classics. I lived in Spain uh, when I was in college, I lived in Granada. So, you know, I'm familiar with the tapas style of dining, which I love. So you had your pan con tomate, which is great. You had your uh, tortilla espanol, which was is wonderful. We didn't have that, but we did have patatas bravas, which is another common uh, tapas style dish. Then you had cheese and charcuteries. Uh, some of them were Spanish uh, meats and cheeses. Some of them were other European uh, areas as well but really well executed on that. Very thinly, delicately sliced. I hate it when I get a cheese or charcuterie and it's like thick and chewy. There's, what's the point? <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's meant to be, it's meant to be enjoyed. Not, uh, <laughs> not like a rubber band. Not as a chew toy for my dog. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Just to sort of build on some of the things you're saying that, that pork dish is the Iberico Pluma uh, with the red chimichurri. And yes, I agree with you. That, that was the highlight and it goes to their sourcing. They're, they're sourcing, you know, high quality heritage pork. And so they feel comfortable cooking it, you know, medium rare, uh, which is unusual for pork and, you know, the same. And then, you know, we, we played around a little bit. We had the roasted cauliflower with the spiced yogurt, which, you know, maybe isn't the kind of thing that you would necessarily associate uh, with the tapas bar, but, but we both really enjoyed uh, you know, the patas bravas I thought were really good. And, and that, uh, those marinated shrimp, the, the gambas alajillo, uh, in the, in the oil with the peppers and the garlic, I just, you know, you see that dish a lot of places, but you know, the shrimp were plump. They were sweet. Uh, the olive oil was a nice, nope, not, not overcooked. They were, they were cooked nicely. The olive oil went well with it. Uh, you know, and it's just a little, it's just a little snacky, just a, just a very satisfying bite. And and I felt the same way about the croquettes, right? Hamon and Manchego, 
you know, gooey in the middle, crunchy on the outside. It's like, yeah, give me, give me all of that when I go to a, a tapas bar. No, the the croquettes were delicious. They were rich as fuck in a good way. Um, edit accordingly, <laughs> <laughs> but they were the croquettes were delicious. They were exactly what you would expect them to be. Uh, not a lot of misses on food. Like the food delivered, I liked that it was traditional tapas and kind of little new wave. So. If people are intimidated because they don't know some of the more classic or traditional dishes, there's plenty of safe bets on here for them to have. And they also have a full bar. So a lot of tapas restaurants in Spain are, you know, beer and wine or Tinto Verano, which is a classic Spanish drink similar to a sangria. Um, But they had a full cocktail program. So we started with gin and tonics. They had three different ones. And I thought those were delightful and pretty well executed uh, for how many different things this concept is trying to accomplish. All right. Now I I have to ask you about this because we, we were sitting at dinner and a gentleman walked up to us and he said, you know, I, I know Spanish food. I'm, I'm, I, I make Spanish food at home. I don't, I don't think this is really Spanish food, but I, but I think it's, I think it's a good, it's a good style of food for this kind of restaurant. Now, as you said, you've lived in Spain. You know this concept well. What do you, what do you think about that? Because I, I, I mean, I I'm not gonna. I don't want to argue with a random stranger, some straw man. <laughs> but at the same time, like, like oh, I come felt on, like you they were that. doing. I felt like they were doing the tapas thing pretty well. I thought it, it checked a lot of boxes for me. I think, like, I, I always like to give people credit before I discredit them. <laughs> but I think that the dishes that you know, were meant to be truly authentic tapas style dishes, like the, a lot of the ones that I mentioned, I think those are are true in form. I also think that the latter part of my previous thoughts about some new wave dishes on there, yeah, that's not Spanish. But, you know, when's the last time he's been to Spain? There's so many chefs that have been pumped out from Jose Andres, from, you know, a lot of these alum that are in Barcelona that have wine bars or tapas style bars that are reinventing what traditional spanish food is uh so you know yes there are dishes on there that are not authentically old school spanish but there are plenty on there that are so i think that's what Montrose wants i think you if you want a hundred percent authentic spanish experience then go to bcn because it's the best in the game it's also going to be a different price point and a different experience you're not going to pop in pop out like you would uh, this space and it's not a late night spot. So I think there's something for everybody in Montrose in terms of Spanish food now. And I think that's, I think that's exciting and lovely to be honest. Right. I mean, BCN is very elegant, very refined, fine dining, special occasion. And and I love it. And I, I know you're a big fan. You're there way more often than I am. Uh, ah. But, but we're, we're sitting in the dining room and I'm looking around at how lively it is. And they've got you know, 40 wines by the glass and more than 400 bottles. And and the comparison that sort of snapped to mind for me was Postino. Uh, Nailed it. Is, that's the one is, I couldn't remember the name of. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that, so, so for, for people who are trying to consider Barcelona or Postino, I would say Barcelona is more of a restaurant, right? Like Postino, Postino has food, but it is really, it's focused on the wine bar. It's focused on that happy hour. You can like, I would, I would not have a meal and I know they serve food and I know people go there to eat, but like, it would never occur to me to have a meal at Postino. I could go to Barcelona and have a meal. 
And I also think one is more of a chef-driven concept or a food-driven concept, while the other is food is supplementing what is wine being the driving force, right? So that's kind of the difference. The, uh, the food, the flavors of the food, I was actually like, okay, there weren't a lot of misses. A couple of dishes were a little salty. We had the paella, which seafood paella. They do uh, several different forms of paella. I thought the paella itself was good. I thought the shrimp was a little salty. And then you commented that the meatballs that we had were a little salty, but the flavors were all there. And for a concept that it's first night open to the public, pretty impressive. Well, yeah, they've been open for a they, first week open to the public anyway. They've been open for yeah. a few days. But yes, I think, yeah, I mean, right. The the meatballs had a really good, like, beefy flavor and maybe just a little salty. I think, you know, the the mussels and the calamari and, and some of the other seafood in the paella was all spot on. So the shrimp were a little salty, but, like, not inedible by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, that's just, that's minor stuff, you know. And and I can, I can sort of live with that, especially uh, given how newly open they are. But yeah, nothing, you know, so, all right. So, so let me just, so let me just ask you, cause Felice and I did this last week with Navy blue littles oyster bar in Balboa. Right. So, so help guide people, right. You've got Postino, uh, mm-hmm. which is a wine bar. You've got Barcelona, which is kind of a, a restaurant and a wine bar. And then you've got a boozy, which is a restaurant with a, with a lively atmosphere and a really great wine list. And they're all basically within a couple of miles of each other down Westheimer. So Help people choose. Like, when would you go to one or the other? If you are a dedicated champagne slut like I am, a boozy is your spot. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's how I would define that. Uh, a boozy definitely has, I don't know. Uh, I think it has the biggest patio of the three, certainly bigger than Barcelona, maybe right. not of the third. Uh, so, you know, I say this as I'm looking outside right now and going, oh my God, falls here, even though it's in the 90s. Uh, a boozy definitely does well for those days where it's gorgeous outside and you want to be outside. For me, Sean Vereen's going to kill me for this, but whatever. Uh, it's my least favorite concept for food out of the three. Sorry. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Maybe not for brunch. Brunch would be a caveat. They don't they don't fuck up brunch. Brunch is all right. Yeah, but... no, their, brunch is, their brunch is great. People love their brunch. Their, their brunch is good, but it's just not a place I go for food. Is it a place I go when allocations for champagne drop in this town and I drink them out of my favorites? Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> Bar- <laughs> Barcelona, I think, is going to be it's going to be like the new kid on the block. There's not a lot open late night in that stretch of Montrose uh, on Westheimer that serves that kind of food that's not fast food. You know, love some raisin canes, but that's very much fast food. Well, uh, and, and Marmo's open late, but but more fine dining, more expensive. More fine dining, different price point, less accessible. They don't have a late night happy hour, so your drinks are going to be $18 for an Aperol spritz, which is ridiculous. Uh, so no. <laughs> okay. That's my, that's my rundown. And then if you're going to, you know, all the Sunday Funday festivities... The third concept that you mentioned, because I'm so dyslexic right now, I cannot think of the name. I want to call it like Pistoleras for some reason, but yes, I know what it is and I've been there many times. Pistoleras Uh, is different. Postino is Postino. (laughs) I think Postino is definitely a popular weekend day spot and a happy hour type of spot. And and it's done well in the neighborhood. It's established itself. It's not going anywhere. that, That indoor outdoor space, that big patio, very lively at brunch. Uh, very affordable with that happy hour, $5 glasses, $6 glasses, whatever it is. 
you know, that that all plays. And, and that's why there's, I don't know, five or six Postinos scattered around Houston. You know, there's only there's only one Barcelona, at least for now. So, yeah, I think I think that's all on point. And and I will say, like, I, I you know, I thought I thought we had a really good dinner at Barcelona. I really a couple of quibbles. It was super loud in there. They got to they got to figure that out. And LA. the parking lot is relatively small. And and so it was a little bit like either you got lucky and found a spot or then you had to like hunt down Westheimer looking for somewhere to park on the street. Uh, we talked to Corey. He said they're they're talking to a valet company. So hopefully by the time people listen to this, there there will be a valet at least, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just to kind of mitigate it. Because by, by the standards of a Montrose restaurant, it's a pretty decent sized parking lot, but it is not it is not nearly big enough to handle the size of the number of seats that they have so not gonna handle the volume they need and normally i don't like saying like i think you need a uh, valet because i think when it's forced upon people when your parking lot is big enough or or vice versa it's too small you know people feel like they're being forced to do it i think it's actually something you know they need they can if they want to they can make it complimentary and tip only or whatever that i was in the restroom with one of the servers and i was talking to her asking her how opening was going, you know, she has no idea who I am. So I like getting an honest read on people. And she's like, it's good. It seems like pretty calm right now. I was like, this is calm. Y'all are packed. And she goes, yeah, I've been told that some of our other concepts do 1200 people a day, you know? And I'm like, holy crap. That's if they're planning on doing that in that space, that's a lot of numbers. Yeah. I mean, they have about 200 seats. So trying to figure out like how they would turn 1200 people through there over the course of eight hours, I mean, you, you start, yeah, that, that's, you know, that you means- can do it if people are stopping for a drink or like a tapas or two and they're staying 30 minutes to an hour. But if people are going to do a full sit down dinner, that those numbers are going to be hard to get, but they obviously aren't guessing. No, no, obviously not. All right. Um, so just to, just to finish the, the thoughts on this, you'll go back. Yes. Yes. I'll go back. I like it. I like it more than I thought I would, to be honest. Sometimes I, I don't know. I'm always for the local person. It's so hard to open a business. So anybody who put their own blood, sweat and tears for it, I'm always going to try to champion, but they, they did wonderfully well for, for right out the gate. No, I, I agree. I, I really enjoyed this and I, I can see this being like in the rotation, you know, on a, on a, on a weeknight for a casual dinner as a date night, as a, you know, going to compete with accommodate. their team Celsius for like, you know, first date spot. Let's yeah, see how many Tinder, Uber drop the, offs the, they get. All the, all your Tinder bumble, uh, hinge, uh, crowd. This is, <laughs> this is your new spot. You can, you can impress the person that you swiped on by taking them to something new. And grinder. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then Mary, just very briefly, I wanted to mention that we, we had dinner at Nobis, uh, last week. This is, it had been a while. For me, it had been more than a year, I think, since my uh, last year at Nobis, but we had been out in an event. It was it was Monday night. It was 10 o'clock, and they recently added Monday back to their rotation, and they and they serve until 11. So, you know, we walked in there, you know, 10, 15, 10, 30 on a Monday night, and and I was I was so happy to see, you know, they had their crew there, their crew there, the Samoyed Zeb, uh, Chef Jacob Coronado was, was in the kitchen with his crew, and I know sometimes with restaurants, it's like, you know, they get to, they get to get towards closing and it's like, they just try to get people out the door as fast as possible. They were legitimately happy to see us. And and I think some of that is maybe uh, who we are, but also I, I think that's just the kind of the spirit of hospitality at Nobis. They, 
you stay open late on a Monday night because you want people from the restaurant industry to dine with you. And so I think that was great. And, and just to kind of catch up on, on some of the new dishes on their menu that, that schnitzel bronzino uh, was really great. I mean, what, what, uh, what else do you remember from, from our dinner at, at Nobis? The pasta dish that we had, they had a new pasta feature on there. I always gravitate towards their pastas. They're incredibly good. This one was rich, but flavorful, had a little spice to it. We definitely had tempura vegetables that I liked as well. The barbecue cauliflower you and I both loved. And what's so nice is like, even though you kept me out late for a school night for regular people, Monday is kind of industry's Saturday, you know, night. Mondays and Tuesdays are kind of the nights that I'm the most active. I know you are too. Sometimes we were there late and they were happy to have us. We weren't holding them there. We were with friends of ours that are also in the restaurant community, Chef G from Street to Kitchen and her husband, Graham, uh, and their partner down in Kima. And it was every, like, (laughs) I was surprised at how much we ordered. Chef G was like, and I want the fish and I want this. And I was like, what? But we were hungry. We, did a you know pretty decent chunk of the menu uh, takedown and everything hit really hard. Olive oil cake, black bottom cake was well yeah yeah. When they say great we, pie, the only kind of Sorry. pie the only kind of pie we have left is black bottom Reese's. It's like I mean on. yeah I mean <laughs> twist my twist my arm and make me order chocolate peanut butter pie black bottom chocolate peanut butter pie. Like I you know so that good. was that was delicious. The olive oil cake was great. Uh, yeah, and the and... the cocktails and the wines. Like Zeb is honestly, I love his spirit and how he approaches wine. He's as knowledgeable as anybody else out there, but he makes it fun. Like you don't go in that you're not intimidated by the wines. There's wines on there that I don't know. He knows my palate. He suggests stuff like they they just kill it. And they had a reverse happy hour, so they had East Coast oysters. That were on happy hour special. They also had some glasses of wine that were on special. I think they're really trying to do their best to bring in the community on Mondays. And uh, not a lot of independent restaurants are open on Mondays. Certainly not a lot that are open and serving till 11. So I loved it. Right. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, essentially, we got to the point where it was like, you know, we're, we're, we were leaving an event and we were all hungry. And it was like, we all thought we were going to better luck tomorrow because they serve until 11. And then it was like, oh, but wait, Nobis is open on Mondays now. And just this, this, so apologies to the better luck tomorrow. Cause you, you would have made some money that, that, but you know, we all just were like, oh yes, let's go to Nobis. And, and that's, such a, as you said, it's, it's, I mean, they're in business and they're making money and all that, but it's, it, it is like a community service for our, our friends in the restaurant uh, business that listen to the show. Uh, there's your spot. And, and knowing that you can walk in there at, you know, 10, 15, 10, 30 on a Monday and, and it's it's the familiar faces it's it's the people that that would be serving you on a on a friday or a saturday night i take i take real comfort in that and and it was so it had been it had been far too long since my last meal at nobis and it and it just it just validated for me i mean i we throw around top 10 restaurant and then you get and then you start thinking about what is or isn't in the top 10 and and you got to start excluding places but good is, attitude still... good food good drinks good ambiance like there's nothing that misses and it's affordable for what you're getting you know it doesn't it's not too stuffy like it it feels just right you don't have to get too dressed up you can come as you are it's so good yeah no i i i think that's it all right mary i'm gonna say that does it for the restaurants of the week 
Thank you, Eric. Thank you. And that does it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Join me on Thursday when my guest will be Washington Ho. Washington Ho.